the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside my co-host, Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, Aubrey, it's happened again. What's that? Christianity Today oh. did something really interesting yesterday, and I, I think it's to be lauded. Uh, they wrote an article, kind of an expose about themselves. So Daniel Silliman, who has been on our show before, and Kate Shellnut, who's also been on our show multiple times, they published an article yesterday. Daniel wrote it, Kate edited it, about years of sexual harassment at Christianity Today. In fact, Mm. the article is entitled Sexual Harassment When Unchecked at Christianity Today. Women reported two top leaders inappropriate behavior for more than 12 years. Nothing happened. Uh, And so those two leaders are former advertising director who went on, uh, you know, infuriatingly. He ended up getting arrested later on in his life for uh, solicitation of an underage girl. But then also inappropriate offensive behavior they call by former editor in chief Mark Galley. I want to just be really transparent. Mark Galley has been on this show multiple times and been one of my favorite interviews. Wow. Okay. uh, And this was before my time. Yes. Ian and I did those interviews. You might remember Mark Galley wrote the bombshell editorial at Christianity Today, very much why Christians shouldn't vote for Donald Trump because of his inappropriate behaviors. I do remember that. And his character. And that blew up the Internet. So that's Mark Galley. What this long, long article Aubrey talks about is that under his quote unquote leadership reign over at Christianity Today, when he was the editor in chief, uh, that there was frequent claims of sexual harassment uh, against both these men that went to HR mm. and nothing ever went. And people mm. are like, why are we talking about this again? Here's why Christianity Today is the flagship publication right. of uh, of evangelicalism, right. has been for years, right. continues to be. Started by Billy Graham himself. And yeah. very much sets the temperature for what we talk about. So people now have gone back and said, okay, under Mark Galley, what did they say about Ravi Zacharias? What did they say about this? What did mm. they say about this? Mm. And two, is this is an enormous black eye for Christianity, for evangelicalism, as these uh, claims of sexual harassment seem to have gone unlistened to. Now, we are thankful CT's new president, Timothy Dalrymple, said in this article, we want to practice the transparency and accountability we preach. It's imperative we be above reproach on these matters. If we're falling short of what love requires of us, we want to know and we want to do better. Uh, Amy Jackson, associate publisher who left what she said had become a hostile work environment in 2018, said the culture when I was there was to protect the institution at all costs. No one was ever held accountable. Mark Galley was certainly protected. Mm. I feel like that's the money line right there. Right. The culture when I was there was to protect the institution at all costs. Now, it gets into a lot of details. This article gets into a ton of detail of what went on. You know, it it sounds like a lot of just uh, inappropriate comments, inappropriate touching, Touching. like just going up behind women and rubbing their neck or putting your arm around them on the small of their back, whatever else it might be. Aubrey, we've got, I don't know how many times I just, when I read this article, I just wanted to scream. I knew we had to talk about it Mm. because here's what we got to do. We have to do better. Mm. This can't be what the church is. But here, I'm just getting so tired of getting behind this microphone and going, Church, we got to do better. And then next week, another article comes out. Church, we have to do better. Another article. Christians, we must look different than the world. And then another article comes out. I just just want to kind of tear your hair out and go, we've let's say it again. We've got to do better. It's I mean, I'm I'm trying not to cry, honestly, right now, Brian. Mm -hmm. It is just like it's what you're saying. Like I'm, I'm reading the story and I'm like, oh yeah, of course this happened. Like, I'm not even surprised by it. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, obviously. But I think where I'm starting to get so devastated is 
that line that you read that I think is the money line Mm -hmm. protecting the institution over the women. And that's all these stories that you and I have been covering and you've covered even more because you've been here longer. Mm -hmm. It's always that we're protecting the institution or the leader of the institution over women or Mm -hmm. over girls. Mm -hmm. And I just, at what point does a woman's, value and dignity matter as much if not more than that and i i don't know what what's going to change and i'm tired of it and i think what i'm i think what i'm tired of too is how not surprised i am by it Mm -hmm. and then you're just like lord are what are you doing like Mm -hmm. are any of these people like really like faithfully falling after you is this all a joke like it makes you spiral a little bit but then i go in every one of these situations i have this same reaction which is where I want to like ball my eyes out and scream. And then I have to look to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like you have to look to Jesus and how he, he treated women. You have to look at how he never, I mean, he, all he did was dignify, empower, challenge, transform, uplift. Never once was inappropriate with mm-hmm. a woman. And so, yeah, these are sinful, corrupt, gross men. Jesus was not. And yeah, I, that's what I have to like, in my own mind, Brian, I have to separate. This is not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is better. Jesus is something different. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Not assume that these people represent. I mean, this is the hard part. We're called to represent Jesus on yeah. earth. And so when someone who does and who claims they does, does it so terribly towards women and girls, it's just so defeating on so many levels yeah. But then you have to go, okay, Jesus was the only sinless one. Mm. But it, I'm, I'm with you, Brian. Like, let, we have to do better. And, like, frankly, just stop touching women. Yeah. I, I don't understand why this is a problem. Yeah. So, again, the former advertiser, I'm going to get his name wrong, but it's Olatungo Alawaye. Uh, his was way over the top, right? Yeah, that uh, was very extreme. Let me already, though, if you go home and read this article, people, let me already kind of try to dispel something that I can see a lot of guys saying. Mark Galley, the stuff he's accused of doing and it mm. says he's doing, I can see, per, especially people of a certain generation going, is that really a big deal? <laughs> it's a lot of like putting your hand on this woman here, but yeah. putting your hand on the small back. Yeah. And let me just answer that with this as a guy. Let me speak for a guy. Okay. It's not up to you to decide. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. You don't get to make that decision. And the fact that all of these women throughout the years went to HR and HR did nothing about it to, quote unquote, protect the institution is reprehensible. Yeah. Uh, And so I can already see that claim coming later. Like, really? Like, oh, boys will be boys. This is what, oh, this used to happen in the 70s and the 80s or whatever. Different time. Thankfully. A different as a dad with two daughters, thankfully, seriously, a different time. seriously. And so, uh, this can't be okay. And we'll go back to the line. And again, I hope CT grows from this. Timothy Dalrymple saying, We want to be transparent, and we I want do, to grow. I, I do want to appreciate I that they came forward. I think that's good leadership. Yep. But again, that line where it was to protect the institution at all costs sums up so much of what is wrong with evangelicalism. Big church, small church, Christianity today, all the colleges, institutions, where things are pushed into the darkness. As Christians, we are people of the light, (laughs) and we must live that way. So, Aubrey, I'm grateful for your emotion around this, Mm. and we both have friends at Christianity today. Yeah, we do. We talk to them on this show all the time. Uh, and it makes us sad. So wanted to highlight that. Go ahead and read that article, ironically, at Christianity Today. Yeah. And uh, you can read it there. Well, coming up next, staff writer for The Ringer, host of The Ringer NBA show, Jonathan Charks, is going to join us uh, to talk about an article that, when I read it, Aubrey, it made me cry, called Does My Son Know You? We're going to have that conversation about fatherhood and cancer and what matters most with Jonathan Charks next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us. And Aubrey, one of the things we try to do on this show is to just try to portray real life Mm -hmm. and try to wrestle with the struggles of real life. And I was reading an article the other day entitled, Does My Son Know You? Fatherhood, Cancer, and What Matters Most? And to be just blunt, it brought me to tears. I was reading this and it just brought me to tears. So uh, I emailed the author of that article and he was so kind to come on and join us today. The author of that article is a staff writer for The Ringer and a host of The Ringer NBA show. His name is Jonathan Charks. Jonathan, thanks for spending some time with us today. 
Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's absolutely our pleasure. So let's start there. You're a, you're a staff writer at The Ringer. Um, you know, you got a young family, and then and then you are life kind of blows up, right? And so could you help us just as background, help our people understand kind of the battle you're facing, the cancer battle you're facing, and just where your life is at right now? Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually was diagnosed with cancer about a year ago now. Um, I was really sick. They didn't know what was happening. And they actually thought I had COVID because mm-hmm. you know, everything was so mm-hmm. COVID-focused last year. So for a long time, I thought I had like long covid and that's apparently happened a lot this year, I found out, with rare kinds of cancer. Because wow. they don't know what's going on. They're like, well, I guess it's something with COVID. I don't know. <laughs> so I, for months, I'm getting sicker and sicker. They don't know what's going on. And then they realize I actually have a very, very rare kind of cancer. And it's already spread throughout my body. Hmm. So what that means for me is they can treat my kind of cancer, but because it's already spread, there's no cure for it. So hmm. what they've told me is, as far as we understand medically, what you have will kill you. We just don't know when that will be. Mm. And um, Jonathan, obviously, you wrote this beautiful article over at theringer.com called Does My Son Know You? And you're kind of processing this cancer diagnosis with the reality of having a child and what his future might look like. Can you unpack for us some of what you shared with your readers? Yeah, sure. So the basic um, kind of gist of the piece was I was thinking a lot about my childhood and what I remember. So growing up, my father had Parkinson's mm. and it was just not it was similar enough in the sense that it's a terminal condition. He's getting sicker a lot. And the one thing that really stood out to me looking back on it was that as he got sicker, he kind of withdrew and he did not really have a strong community around him which meant that me and my mom didn't really have a strong community around us growing up while mm-hmm. he was getting sicker. And so for me, I really believe like, if this is my story, I want, I don't want to have my son have the same experience that I did. Mm. And then I kind of get into this idea of like, well, I really found a lot of meaning in going to church and a church community. And what it's really, for me, what I've really trying to look at, with the rest of whatever my life is, I want to invest in my church community as much as I can so that there are people in my son's life as he's growing up. If it's not going to be me, I want them to be a lot of people in his life. And as as far as I can tell, the best way to make that happen is to be really invested and plugged in at church. Well, it's great. Again, you can read Jonathan's article at The Ringer, at The Ringer. Uh, dot com. Uh, Jonathan, let's talk about your faith. When did you come to faith? Did you grow up in the church or was it later in life? When did you come to faith? And then I would love to just hear what does a cancer battle do to your view of God and to your faith? Um, I actually, yeah, I, I did not grow up in church. I became a Christian in my early 20s. Um, it's a wow. very long process of kind of just looking for meaning in the world, I would say. Mm-hmm. And okay, this way I was raised growing up, it was, there was no great answers to like these questions you have about life and what the point of all this is. And I just kind of like very gradually stumbled my way into it. One of my good friends was a Christian and then kind of seeing the fruits of it in his life really forced me to ask a lot of questions about what, what do I want to do? What do I want to be about? And that was a, a very long process of becoming a Christian and as far as like with faith in all this, it's been very difficult because when you're actually forced to grapple with all of these things, like it's just, there's not easy answers, right? right? There's, there's very, when you give me, everyone has like, you know, your pat answer for why do certain things happen in life? What is the point of all this? What is the point of suffering and pain? And when it's not you, it's very easy to come up with something. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. That, that's the answer. I'm going to go about my day. When you actually go through it, it's, it's very difficult. I know for me personally, I feel like in a lot of ways, me, my first, so I became a Christian about seven or eight years ago now. And those first, those five or six years, I feel like I really, what it was is I was like making deposits. Mm. And now, now that I'm going through this, I'm like, I'm cashing in my deposits because it's been tough. Like, yeah, it's been really hard for me just walking through faith with faith, walking with God in this and it's been very challenging. And I would say for me, it's like, I have this experience now of being a Christian and seeing God move in my life. 
in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can I can fall back on those times, those experiences, those relationships I've built in my better years. Mm. Now that I'm kind of suffering more, it's like, well, now I'm just kind of cashing in. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have that, like, if my bank account was empty when this started and my bank account of faith, in a sense, I don't know what I would have done because I'm like, I'm just withdrawing. I'm not really putting much in right now. It's yeah. just all withdrawal. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess that's probably the best way to say it. That's powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. Jonathan, one of the things that you write about again in this article is um, a life group, or some people might call it a small group, that you sort of... I don't want to say reluctantly walked into, but you walked into like, I don't know what I'm getting into. It sounds like from what you wrote that this has been kind of borrowing their faith and have them support you has been somewhat uh, part of this journey for you. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. So for me, not growing up in the church, like my, my idea of church was just like coming on Sundays and listen to the pastor and that's it. And so I, well, I guess I guess we're going to church. So that's my Christian now. And like actually at our church, what we really believe in is these life groups. And I just, I didn't really have much of a grid for it. I was just like, well, okay. So this is, I just come every week and I just didn't understand the point of it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, guess, yeah. I guess I'm just going to do this because it's what everyone does. And like, if I'm trying to be a Christian, then this is part of it, I suppose. So mm. I'll do it. But I don't really understand why I'm doing this. And it just took a very long time. I was like, I'll just trust y'all. This is part of it. And so then for me, it was, okay, as I'm coming, like, I, I, I think I'm talking about the piece, like, it took me months before I would stay after. Mm. So I found it very uncomfortable. That I don't know these people. So once it's over, I'm just going to leave, and then I go back to my life. But then for enough time goes on, you develop relationships with people, and then it becomes from, like, here's an obligation I have to do, to here's something I'm actually looking forward to. Because really what I'm going to be doing is spending a few hours with a couple some good friends just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out, talking about life. Yeah. And that was like a big switch for me. And then at our church, it's just such an important part of it is being in a life group, being in a smaller group. And it's like that church community. And that's what's really gotten me, I don't know, gotten me through it, but helped me this last year and a half is just having these relationships, having this community already around me mm. that I can kind of plug into Oh, that's powerful. Jonathan, at the very end of the article, you say, all I can do is make the most of the time that I have left. Uh, for somebody not going through that, uh, like myself, that, that can, you know, theoretically, I know that that, but you just never have never had to live that. What's it like for you to actually live that? What does it mean for your life that you're trying to make the most of the time you have left? You know, it's funny. You have it in your head that, like, if something like this happened, like in the movies, and it's, um, everything just changes, but not really. Mm-hmm. It's more like the small things over the course of your day. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, is this the best use of my time? Mm-hmm. I want to make the most of my time. I want to make sure that I'm using this time well, cause I'm, you're just a little more cognizant or you, you have to remind yourself. I would say probably is the biggest thing. It's like, let me remind myself what's really important. Cause it's easy to fall back into well, I want to distract myself. I want to enjoy the time I have left, but I'm like, okay, know how much time I have left. I don't know. I want to like make the most of it. And Mm. I think for me, I I talk about in the piece is like, you know, the famous line from James about how we're all little miss. This is the time we have. We don't know how much time we have. And in a way for me, this whole experience has been like, not, I wouldn't say a gift is too strong a word, but it's like, it's been a good reminder of like, yeah, I, this is going through me. I was told that my, maybe my time is running out, but none of us really know. Right. Like yeah. I talk about like, after I was diagnosed this, I, so my job and the, my work, my day job, I, I cover the NBA is this like college player who was a big NBA prospect died in a car accident. Mm. And that's I was diagnosed. And it was like very jarring. And I'm like, well, at least I, I got to know ahead of time, but mm. we don't really know. None of us really right. know. Yeah, that's true. And I think that for me was like a good reminder of like, I think that's the importance of life group. And I love these things is you never know if you're going to be there for your family. You just yeah. don't. You, you, you hope so. You assume so given where we live and our kind of, everything's pretty good. Like we don't live in Ukraine, obviously. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Things right. are pretty good here right. in yeah. comparison. But still, we don't know how long much time we have. And we all have to, like, ask ourselves, if something happens to me, like, how do I provide for my family, in a sense? And Absolutely. I think 
And I think kind of like to bring it around when you get diagnosed and they'll tell you, well, what, sort of, what kind of life insurance do you have? Mm. What kind of medical insurance do you have? And the one thing I know for me is, well, what kind of relational insurance do my family mm. have if I'm not going to be right. there? How do I provide for them relationally if, Lord forbid, this, is, this diagnosis is correct? Mm. Well, the only way I can provide relationally is to invest in community now and to plug in. And so there's a net behind my family. I think that's a net we all need, not yeah. whether or not you're diagnosed or not. Because like I was saying, you just never know. Like we're not, Our days aren't promised. Our days are numbered. And we don't know when that will be. Yeah, again, such a good word. The yeah, article is. is called, Does My Son Know You? I cannot encourage you enough to go check it out at theringer.com. That's theringer.com. You can also connect with Jonathan on Twitter, at Jonathan Charks. That's T-J-A-R-K-S, at Jonathan Charks. Such good words, John Jonathan. We're so thankful. Hey, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, plug into your day job here a little bit. Give us a minute. Can the Bulls, how far can our Bulls go? We're in Chicago. Everyone loves the Bulls this year. Give us some hope for kind of the Bulls' future this year. I really, yeah, they're so good this year. That's <laughs> a good season. It's been Let's a- just take it one step at a time. Like, I think go. sometimes you want to skip steps because they've been so good. But it's like, let's remember how much better they've already gotten, and let's not be impatient. It's a process to grow and build a team. I think if you're a Bulls fan, you have to say, at this point, this team's already been a success. If we win a playoff series, if we win two, well, that's just even better. But don't, don't overlook how good you've already been. That's right. right. Last year at this time, they were terrible. So, <laughs> it's been great. You don't need to be encouraged, honestly. Like, yeah. You've been had a great season. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Again, Jonathan Sharks, check him out at The Ringer. Jonathan, we couldn't be more thankful. Mm-hmm. We'll be praying for you. Thank Definitely. you for what you wrote, and thanks for spending some time with us today. Well, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AIM 1160. Hope for your life. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us today. Hope that you're having a good day. And Aubrey, our, our thoughts, our prayers, our attention still is drawn to what's going on in the Ukraine Absolutely. right now. I mean, it's just d- devastating feels like too it less like of a too word. It feels like too small of a word. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's horrific. It's evil. I mean, even my kids this morning were like, Mom, what is going on? And I was like, let's just keep praying. We have to pray for an end to this. But, it, you know, getting closer and closer to Poland and so much destruction Destruction when you watch the videos, when you watch the TV. I mean, it. the images are terrible. Brian, I heard something interesting yesterday on NPR that government leaders are trying to reach out to TikTok celebs in yeah. Ukraine yeah. so that they begin reporting accurately on what's going on. And that, to me, we talked a little bit about how the landscape is changing because of cryptocurrency sanctions. But I think the landscape is changing because of social media as mm. well. And we're just, again, all that to say what we're seeing is a more accurate picture of what's happening on yeah. the ground. And it's awful. The pictures are just, I think the word that comes to mind is apocalyptic. You see things on fire and things destroyed. It just, you can't get your mind around it. And Mm. so we continue to implore you to be in prayer. And Mm -hmm. President Zelensky spoke to Congress today, obviously via, 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 Uh, you know, it wasn't Zoom, but it was by video. Okay, so he wasn't at Congress. He didn't come to America, but he spoke with Congress. And not surprisingly, he was trying to implore our leaders to do more. He said, President Biden, you're the leader of your great nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. (laughs) Being the leader of the world means to be the leader of peace. And I call on you To do more. If mm. I were in Zelensky's shoes, I'd be saying the of exact course, same thing. Of course, you would have to do that. Now, what makes this difficult is here in America, we do know that things like a no-fly zone and other things open us up and the rest of the world up yeah. to a way more escalated conflict Absolutely. here. Absolutely. This, this moves into, and I don't mean to be extreme, but I do think it's this extreme. It moves us into world war three territory. Yeah. Cause that's because suddenly we're breaking like NATO treaty rules. And then and we're just in the middle of it. And now. then we're talking about nuclear weapons and yeah, then we're in the middle of it now. So it's not a small, I know a lot of people out there are saying Biden should just come to Zelensky's aid. I think, Biden is, but there's a lot at stake very for like a no-fly zone. And so yeah. I think we need to be praying for our leaders, right? We we, yeah. we critique our leaders a lot, mm. but uh, we need to. I can't imagine the weight that you're feeling as you're watching that, going, 
we could do something to maybe lessen the destruction in the Ukraine, but what does that do to the rest of the world? How do you weigh those things? How do you weigh that? And so we would encourage you to be prayerful about that and continue to be informed and be watching. So that's what's going on with Ukraine. President Zelensky speaking to the U.S. Congress today. All right, Aubrey, over at Christianity Today at the Better Samaritan, uh, there was an author who wrote this, Discerning Our Future. How to step into God's will for your life. While options may seem limitless for the future, learn a pattern for approaching decision making that pleases God. That question about God's will for your life, I think, is one that I get all the time from people. Yeah. How do I know what I should do? How do I know my future? And if only we could speak. Oh, wait, we can speak to that author. That was you. <laughs> oh, that was this Aubrey Sampson. Byline wow. is Aubrey Sampson. Look at so, that. Look at that. So not just asking, why did you write about how do we step into God's yeah. will? But but then I would love for you to just walk us through it. Talk yeah. about kind of some of your points that you made, some of mm-hmm. your uh, direction that mm-hmm. you gave. Well, for Women's History Month, actually, uh, they reached out to me and asked me if I would write this because a lot of it's almost May. So a lot of folks are thinking about graduating a lot of you've got a high school student about to graduate. And here I am about to walk across the stage for grad school. And so they asked me to write something about, like, how do we make decisions for the future? And I, it's interesting because in my own life, I was you know, I'm about to graduate, like I just said. And even though I, you know, you and I love our job here at the radio station and Kevin and I run a church together, I'm still constantly like, Lord, what do you constantly. want me to do when I grow up? Constantly. Like, I am constantly asking that question. And so um, I know that's, we're saying that, and we're people who are kind of established in what we're already doing. But that's part right. of it is we want to keep obeying God's will and we want to know, are we walking in God, what you have for us? And, but the reality is like, these up and coming 20 somethings or other graduates uh, from high school even are asking that to maybe an even greater degree because mm. they're approaching that question for the very first time. Yeah, And so, um, it, you know, there's not a formula. This is ultimately what I write. There's not a formula to determine exactly what we should do. And I think we want a formula, but we don't actually have one. But then I looked at Romans 12 two in not necessarily like this is the pattern for your life, but here's how you can begin thinking thinking about mm-hmm, what God may mm-hmm. have for you. And Romans 12, 2, which if you don't know is do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing and perfect will. And I'll just share something that I wrote. Yeah, please. Uh, in this short verse, the apostle Paul gives three steps when it comes to figuring out God's will. One, we choose not to conform Two, we allow our minds to be transformed. And three, we test to determine to determine God's perfect will for our lives. And that's how we learn discernment and learn what our next steps are. Yeah, that's good. Why is this so hard for people? Why? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm not sure that we are to be searching out, like, what is exactly does God want me to do mm-hmm. next week? Or mm-hmm. what exactly? That, that it's a little more general than that. But mm-hmm. it, I understand. I would love this. I understand why people want to get very concrete direction. Take this job. Don't yeah. take this job. Move yeah. here. Don't move here. Date that person. Don't date mm-hmm. that person. But that's not really what we're talking about, right? No. I, I mean, I think the reality is, and I'm not the first person to say this, but um, sometimes what God does is says, look. Think about a a kid that you send out to play in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're sending your kid out to play in the backyard and you're saying, I want you to stay in the fence of our backyard because that's safe. But like you can choose. Look, there's a there's a swing set. You can swing. There's a slide. You can go down a slide. There's a teeter totter. Go on that. Jump on the trampoline. I don't care. I want you to stay within the boundaries that I've set for you. But like choose what you want to do. And I think that's perhaps a better way of thinking about God's plan for our lives than like, this is the one path. And if I stray, I'm off his will. Yeah, that's right. Because the reality is every decision that we make, every door that God opens tends to lead to the next thing. And even if it's a failure, quote unquote failure, you learn from that and move into the next yeah. thing. And God uses our life experience to um, help shape our path rather than like, this is, you know, every once in a while, guardrails. That's a good way to put it. Um, And I I think the reality is too, the kind of the main point of this article is there are things that the world is going to tell you that you need for success. You need the big 401k. Mm. You need the biggest salary you can get. You need to work with the quote unquote cool organization or the cool church or the cool ministry. And Brian, you and I have talked about that. Like, it's easy to be drawn in by those Mm -hmm, things. mm -hmm. Now, sometimes you might have those things Mm -hmm. like God may give that to you. 
But sometimes you may sense in your heart as you're discerning the will of God in community and through God's word that you're going to choose something that is opposite to what the world thinks. And your parents or your friends or your grandkids might look at you like, what are you doing? This is the craziest decision. But you know, no, God has told me to do this because I am pursuing the things of God, not the things of this world. That's a good word. Uh, First of all, then let me read how you end the article. But your backyard sounds awesome. Um, a teeter-totter, it, <laughs> a slide, a swing set, and a trampoline? We also have a roller coaster <laughs> and a popcorn I'm machine. I'm going to come hang out at your house, a petting zoo, all that stuff. <laughs> Aubrey ends the article this way. There is no perfect formula for making hard decisions when it comes to our future, but there is a perfect God who is willing to walk us through the decision-making process every step of the way. Good word, friend. Good Thank job. You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Good word. It's fun Good to word. talk you about can, my own article. You can find that over at Christianity Today. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about Christian marketing and the brand. Anything wrong with building a brand and marketing yourself? We're going to do that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we're so thrilled that you're with us today. One of the one of the topics, especially in evangelical Western Christianity, that's a little tricky is this topic of branding and marketing. And, you know, churches wrestle with this uh, people, individuals wrestle with this. How much money can you justify spending on marketing branding if it does contribute to your cause mm-hmm. and your message going forward. And when is it sort of turning God's temple into a marketplace? Like this has been debated for a while, That's especially right. I would say it over the past decades and social media has arisen and, you know, uh, we're seeing authors and speakers and musicians and churches do a lot of this, do a lot of branding. So, um, I bring this up. It's something that we talk about a lot, but also I don't know if you've seen these signs, Brian, but I started noticing as I was driving to work, these billboards that are like white in the background and have what looks like a yellow cross. And it says he gets us. Mm. And it took me a minute to be like, what is this? Is this like a new Christian like show or movie or church coming out? But apparently this is a several million dollar ad campaign. Let me clarify a $100 million ad campaign. (laughs) So it's definitely several um, that is attempting to quote, make Jesus the biggest brand in your city, whatever city you're living in. It's an effort to attract skeptics and cultural Christians. Uh, It does launch nationally in March. So you've probably seen it as well. But of course the question still remains, how should the church be marketing our faith? So apparently there's going to be ads, there's going to be commercials, there's going to, we're going to see this online, we're going to see this more as we're driving down the road. Um, What do you think? I think I'm going to surprise you with this. Okay. I'm good with it. Yeah, interesting. I am because, well, let me caveat that a little bit, but, but let me start here. The reason that there are so many billboards and ads and the reason there are commercials when you watch TV and that there are pop ups when you get on the internet or whatever else it might be. Is because they work. Right. And they if the idea is to try to engage skeptics and engage people mm-hmm. who are not of the faith, mm-hmm. then let's be honest, engage them in ways that might work. Yeah. Let me caveat with this. Our hope is not in the marketing. Yeah. That yeah. If churches get to the point where their hope is in flashy marketing and online this and mm-hmm. Facebook this and whatever... No, our hope is always got to be in relationships, being building relationships, going out in this. But I do think that the creativity Mm -hmm. that is uh, that can be shown by people who are good at these types Mm -hmm. of things, engaging videos, thing websites that you know you got a billboard up and it points people to website. Why not? Right. Why not? So I'm good with that. I think some people probably also have trouble with the price tag. Right. That one hundred million dollars. Yeah. I just. I, I think mm-hmm. here's what I think. I, let's not assume that hundred million dollars would have been going to hungry kids in Africa. <laughs> Good, right? Like, let's right, let's right. not let's not pretend like we're stealing this yeah, money. Yeah, the, the, there's enough money for both. Is yeah. my point. I don't think I think it's false to go. Well, we can either either feed the world and help the homeless problem in America, or we can market Jesus. Yeah. On both. I don't think it's an either or proposition. Mm, I think good. there's enough money to go around. So I'm OK with good. this 
as long as this doesn't become our ultimate hope, like, well, if we just get better marketing, if we then we'll see conversions happen. Yeah. Let's make sure we're marketing uh, a biblical Jesus and that we're not changing Jesus to become a little more palatable to the people Mm. we're marketing to. So that's also important. But if we're. If we're presenting the gospel clearly, yeah. if we are presenting the gospel accurately, yeah. if we are presenting Jesus accurately, and we're doing it in this, go for it. Let's yeah. be creative. Yeah. Let's be creative yeah. in any way that we can be to reach more people. This um, $100 million was donated by a small group of wealthy anonymous families, and they, they really intentionally put that much towards it because they wanted to be in the same financial arena as some of the bigger name brands that you do see advertised all the time, brands like Old Navy. Mercedes-Benz, Ameritrade. Here's what I also like about it, Brian. Um, It points, the ad points people to hegetsus.com. And then here's what I really like. It gives uh, viewers four ways to engage. A live chat, a text for prayer. You can join an Alpha group, which I think Alpha is an incredible ministry. All kinds of people coming to Christ through Alpha or you can click through a Bible reading plan on the YouVersion app. That's cool. Hopefully that leads people to the known Bible reading plan <laughs> on the YouVersion app. Um, no, so I actually, Brian, I am with you. I actually think, look, if this group of people has the funds and if it has these calls to action that uh, I think are time tested and That's actually good. very meaningful, then why not? Mm-hmm. I, you know, we've got media. It's going to reach a new generation. Sure, there are going to be some skeptics that will roll their eyes. But at the end of the day, if one life, one family, one future uh, is changed, like the entire trajectory of a generation could be changed because of that. Like you don't know the ripple effects of this. And I'm with you. It doesn't necessarily mean that that money would have gone to X, Y, Z. My guess is if those people are willing to give that money to this, they're also giving to kids in need around the world, et cetera. But I, I say, let's pray that the Lord uses it. I just love what you said. They're, they're pointing people to Alpha. They're pointing mm-hmm. people to Bible reading. They're pointing people to connection. Like if it were just, hey, Jesus is awesome. Look at like, cool it's ad. just a video. Okay. Right. But th- this is giving some next steps. I think it's wonderful. And again, mm-hmm. as long as the picture of Jesus is accurate, which we know Alpha does, yep. we're confident in that. Yep. It's getting people in the world, in the word. Like, and here's the other thing that bothers me sometimes about like, made up controversies about things like this is if people are like throwing stones at this, being like, we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Then I would just want to look at them and say, then what are you doing? Thank you. That's just, literally what I was saying. Then if what's you, your, if yeah. you've got a better way mm-hmm. and think something you want to add, but if we're just going to sit on the sidelines and shoot our own and just yeah. be like that, no, at least these people are trying. Yeah. Like they're putting their money towards it. They want to see yeah. people come to Christ. I think it's good. I know we, we bristle at the words marketing and brand right. and this and that, right. but we can call it something else, but we're trying to introduce people to Jesus, get them on that journey, on that path. Alpha helps, Bible reading helps, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Let's cheer them on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive by. I'm gonna yeah. look for stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the website and yeah. Uh, yeah, share it with other people, and maybe you'll see some, you know, see some fruit in your friends and family. Yeah, life exactly, here. exactly. I, I like that word for all of us, Brian. If you have a if you're struggling against this, then maybe ask yourself what you're doing to evangelize, and then we can have the conversation. But otherwise, I think it's good to cheer this on, pray for this ad campaign to uh, move mountains and change lives, and do what you can to be a part of it. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about a heavy topic, but continuing with the themes of some of what we talked with Jonathan Charks about earlier in the show, why is it important to continue talking with friends about loved ones who have passed away? How can we honor Um, people who are grieving in that way. I think that'll be a really meaningful conversation when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we're so glad that you're with us today. Brian, sometimes on the show we talk about light and funny things. We do, you know, funny funny moments like our top five list mm-hmm. each and every week. You and I really like to laugh. But we also never want to miss out on, um, you know, real pain, real suffering, the real things going on in the world. The war in Ukraine being something that we talk about. We had Jonathan Charks on earlier today talking about his really devastating cancer journey. Mm. And the reality is... We all are going through something or have walked with someone who's going through something really difficult. And 
lately, Brian, I've been um, I've been thinking a lot about my mother in law who passed away from COVID in October. Because I'm not sure why. I think it's the spring weather changing, and I'm kind of redecorating, like taking my winter decorations out and putting my spring decorations in my house. And she would always come over and help me with that. And so mm. I think there's just something in the air right now that's making me think about her and. I don't know if this is going to sound weird, Brian, but every once in a while, I'll do this with my grandma. I'll do this with my cousin Cameron who passed away. I'll do this with my mother-in-law. I'll ask Jesus like, hey, would you say hi to them for me? Or hey, would (laughs) you tell them this for me? And I don't know, you know, because you feel a little weird. Like, is it okay to talk to dead people? You know, My thing on that has always been when people want to know exactly what you can do. So Uh this is a silly one, but people are like, is my dog in heaven? Yeah. I always answer that question with, do you want your dog to be Uh, in heaven? And they go, yeah. And I go, I got no problem yeah, with that. Yeah, why not? I don't know. Why I just, not? Sure. Right. And so if it's helpful for you yeah. to to believe and to think that you can talk to your mother-in-law, you're yeah. like, what, what's wrong with right, that? You know what right. I mean? And so I'm, I'm good with that. There's actually some study in psychology on grieving that talks about how we should continue the emotional bonding we had with the person um, when they were alive. So when you see people that are grieving do things like writing letters to their lost loved ones or even texting with their lost loved ones or some people will send uh, like emails to their lost loved ones. That that's actually a really healthy part of the grieving process. Mm, I know some people might look down on that and think, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. But they actually say that continued emotional bonding is really, really helpful because you can't just cut off a relationship just because time yeah. has done that. And so there's some... You know, just to check in with your, let's say you lost your spouse and to tell them what's going on with your kids. Like that's a a healthy part of the healing journey. Um, But what can be really difficult, Brian, I think when when we've lost someone in such a tragic way. Again, I keep going back to my mother-in-law because she, you know, she died from COVID. And and as she was dying, she was saying, I don't want to go. I'm not ready to die. And I know my sister-in-law has really, really battled the way in which she died when she wasn't Mm, ready. Because, of mm -hmm. course, the dream, if we're going to lose someone we love, which none of us want to, but if we're going to, that it's they're they're ready. It's Mm. their time. It's in the right season. They go peacefully. They let go. And she was fighting it the whole way. And so when we're trying to process memories that are not good when it comes to someone's death, I think we also need to try to go back and and remember and honor and talk about the good memories we do mm-hmm. have as a way to process even that trauma of seeing somebody die in a way that, you know, was kind of terrible. Yeah, I think for a lot of us, because of the emotions that it brings up, when, when a loved one dies, you feel like you have to move on. Mm. And I don't think that's helpful. Yeah. Like, I think uh, remembering them um, celebrating them, laughing about mm-hmm. what used to make you laugh yeah. about them, I think is not just appropriate, it's healthy mm-hmm. and it helps you grieve and it mm-hmm. helps you grow. Yeah. And then if you want a picture that you can talk to your loved one and have it, that's wonderful. There's yeah. nothing wrong. I don't know why people want to like, well, that's I don't see that that's exactly done. in the Bible. <laughs> well, there's a lot I don't see in the Bible about how heaven is. You yeah. know what I mean? And what's the harm in yeah. telling a kid, or a, or a wife, you could talk to your father. You could talk yeah. to your loved one. Yeah, it's not. You're not where you're putting your hope. You obviously your mm-hmm. hope still in Jesus, but to think about the eternal and what's going on, mm-hmm. I think all of it is not only totally fine, but but is healthy yeah. and in the grieving process. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you said that, Brian, because there was a there's an audio clip that I want to share. This video has gone viral from Good Morning America of a young boy talking to his father who passed away, and it is. I mean, it's a tearjerker, but it is so sweet how he is modeling what we're talking about. He is having a conversation with his dad in heaven. Let's go ahead and take a listen to that. Hey, Dad, how is heaven? Is it good? I hope you're best friends with God. Please protect us. We love you, Dad. You have been anything to a homeless person. We love love you. You will do anything. He had us write down on a piece of paper what we liked about our dad, and he had us draw pictures of our dad in heaven looking down on us, and he had us draw God because he says that our dad is best friends with God in heaven. He really is. Trust me. So, I mean, Brian, I mean, just the cuteness factor is a little overwhelming, right? Like, here he is asking his family members to draw pictures of his dad, and he's talking to his dad, and he's saying his his dad is best friends with God. And he's like, he is. He absolutely is. 
I I love his certainty. <laughs> of course he is. I love that certainty too. I feel like we lose that childlike certainty as we get older, don't we? Absolutely. Oh, but I what I love about it is that childlike faith, right? That that he's so convinced and is so committed to just sitting down and chatting with his dad in heaven in the mornings. And it's a I think it's a beautiful example for all of us of ways that we can Continue talking about Mm. people who have passed, because I think here's the other part of this conversation. Um, uh, People are awkward around death. It's not fun to talk about. You feel like if let's say, you know, someone has just lost a spouse. You don't want to bring that up to them because you're afraid it might bring up their pain. And so you tiptoe around it. But what I actually, in my own experience and in, other people's experience that I know, I think often people would rather you remember their lost loved one yes. and talk about it with them. Cause it's not like it's going to change the fact that they're carrying grief. Right. They want to just like, Oh, you remember my person too. Oh, thank you. Let's talk about that rather than pretending like it's not happened because you're uncomfortable. That's right. Somehow we have to get better at that. I think you're right. It's, the, the ignoring that someone's grieving makes you feel guilty for grieving. And mm, if yeah. we believe in it, this is it for me, Aubrey. If we believe in an eternal God, if we believe in eternity, yeah. that this world is not all there is. And we preach that all the time. Yep. Then let's think about our loved ones in eternity. Ah, oh, that's let's, good. Let's celebrate that. Yeah, let's do and good. miss them, obviously. But uh, yeah, this boy's just so sweet, like a childlike so faith sweet. of of a dad uh, and a son yeah. and a son remembering his dad. So, no. Uh, really poignant, really poignant. I, I'm good with that. And I would like to point out that your book was number one in Christian death. So you have Thank the you. last word, Thank obviously. You. And, that, and that's a that's a good segue. If you need a book on Christian death, you can find The Louder Song, Listening for Hope in the Midst of Lament, anywhere books are sold. Thank you for that, Brian. All right. Well, coming up next, Brian and I are going to um, do something new and something fun. I am encouraging Brian. I have a job. I have a calling. I'm ready. For Brian. I'm ready. I, I have decided what Brian should do with his I life. I need more jobs in he my life. He needs more jobs. <laughs> so we are going to experiment with that uh, when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fromm. And we're so glad that you're with us today. All right. I told you before the break, I have a calling on Brian's life. You do. For Thank him. You. Yes, Thank you you're for welcome. That. But you had something to say first about well, my birthday. Uh, of course, about <laughs> your birthday. Because here's the deal. We, we introduced this earlier in the week. Your birthday is what, Sunday? My birthday is Sunday, but it's but my birthday week. It's your birthday week. Yes. Although Sunday is the start of next week, oh, so I don't know. But we can celebrate two weeks. You want to build up the preparation. Absolutely. And so, uh, yes. so let us celebrate your birthday today. Thank you. I think I need to go up at happy you. almost you. birthday yeah, to you. Yeah, so there you go. You. Building you. it up for you. I it like is this, Brian. Ber- Aubrey's birthday week. Please send your gifts to her. Yes, please. And your well wishes. You really could be fighting back on this, Brian, and you're not. So thank no, you for I'm celebrating. Going to embrace it. Because my birthday is a mere month and a half away. <laughs> <We're>, so. <laughs> yeah. You want the same treatment. Do unto others as you would have them do unto That's you. All right. right. Okay. So here's, here's my calling for Brian's life. I, Brian uh, is passionate, and we've talked about this on the show before, about uh, let's raise up the value of small church mm-hmm. leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Because we, we talked about, I think, last week that a lot of the conference scenes, a lot of the resourcing, a lot of the articles are mostly done by uh, mega church pastors or right. very, very uh, kind of bigger platform leaders. And because of that, that's okay. That's good and and fine. But because of that, there can be some mixed messaging Mm -hmm. that if your church is not a massive church or has a certain quality of number, then maybe you're not quite as valuable. Your ministry is not as quote unquote successful. And Brian said something to me recently, like, man, I would love to be coaching (laughs) small church pastors. And I said, that is God's calling on your life. That's now my calling. My now third, you, fourth, fifth calling. That is your anointing you and your assignment from above, uh, approved by Aubrey Sampson. I approve this message. You did write the Christianity Today article about knowing God's will in your life and discerning yeah, God's will. clearly. I, I think you put it well. And, and that was in a conversation you and I were having where I just said, listen, I feel like small church pastors, you know, your church is 200, less than that, maybe 100 mm-hmm. people. Uh, you feel out on an island. 
Mm-hmm. You don't usually not surrounded by this big staff. Yeah. And you go to these conferences or you read the books or you read the articles and everything's written by the guy or the girl who's got the 1500, 2000. Yeah. And everyone's like, numbers don't matter. But the numbers don't matter guy is always the big church guy. <laughs> right, right. And it could leave you feeling just um, like you matter less, mm. like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And you're just kind of this failure because you haven't grown the church. Yeah. To this, it's what I was telling you was like, I feel like there's a realm out there where small church pastors can be supporting one another, mm-hmm. where they don't need to be islands, where they don't need to be out here, but they can need to be told like what you're doing matters. Because mm-hmm. here's the deal, Aubrey, you and I have talked about this before. Well over 90% of the pastors in our country, let alone the world, but in our country, their churches are quote unquote small. Right. Which is so, you forget that because of the things where you're just talking That's about right. what we see. That's right. And so it becomes the real struggle for us because you feel like you're alone and you feel like, oh, no, somebody left my church. I'm a mm-hmm. failure now. And then, like I said, like you and I have talked about, you go to that conference and you're like, I, I want to gain. And they're wonderful. I love conferences. And if I were starting a conference, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, I'd probably put up the guy of with course. the big church yeah, and the big people book. people buy because, tickets to that. Yeah. Exactly. But you really leave those conferences going, yeah. I'm on, I only matter. Yeah. If I get to 500, if mm. I get to 1,000, then I really matter if I get to mm. multiple campuses and this so and that. True. God bless those pastors. But the fact that 90% of us in the country are not that, yeah. we've we've got to figure out a way to, to bolster that 90% mm. and make them feel like, you know what? I'm doing God's work. I'm mm. doing... And here's the deal, Aubrey. I do. I've said this about myself. I, I know that uh, you've said some things about your husband as well. Uh, some of us, I think, are uniquely gifted for smaller church ministry. Exactly. And that doesn't make us less of a pastor. Thank you, Brian. And I, I do think that that message needs to get out there more and more yeah. because we all go, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Did you see the guy with three th- and also uh, his oh. three book deals and his exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I know it's asking a lot to ask the conference guy to put up the. Church pastor with 150. <laughs> right, right. But here's, the, uh, and then I'll let you weigh in. What yeah. always strikes me as odd is who oftentimes we will celebrate in like these nostalgic ways the pastor who, who just passed away mm. or just retired, yeah. who was at his church for 30 or 40 years, faithfully uh, ministering to his flock yeah. of 200. He visited hospitals and he did this. And we always speak of that in such glowing terms. Mm-hmm. But then when the guy's alive, we don't do that. Yeah. And wow. it's just this weird deal. Wow. It's a weird deal that I'm trying to get my mind around because I we planted a church. You planted a church, yep. Aubrey. When you plant a church, you're like, we're on the way. We're going to be 200, then 500, <laughs> yeah, then 1,000. Yeah. And I'm going to be speaking here. And all yeah. of a sudden, you're like 12 years in and you're like, oh, wait. Oh, my church is smaller than it was six years ago. Yeah. What does that mean for me? Or, oh, yeah. we're this, but it feels like we're never going to be that. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't. You don't have big dreams and you don't do this. So anyway, got to figure out ways to not just support the small church pastor, but support the small church. That's it. And go, you are as much a church. In fact, in many ways, can I say the, the, the silent part out loud? Please. In many ways, that smaller church probably functions more as a church Ooh. than some of the mega churches Ooh. that we hold up. It's good, Brian. And we got it. We've got to figure out a way to switch that paradigm to get, to celebrate that. Yeah, I think that's it. It's the celebration piece. Like, mm-hmm. can we begin? Because here, here's where my mind goes, Brian. Like, my mind goes to, yeah, we should put those small churches. Like, I, my only paradigm is we should put those small church pastors uh, on the stage more. Brian, you should start a podcast for small church pastors. You should write a book. You should be speaking. At- My mind goes to those. <laughs> yes. And that's sort of what we're talking about is a little bit of the problem. Mm-hmm. So how can we almost shift the paradigm completely so that we're celebrating what is worthy of being celebrated yeah. in God's kingdom? And of course, again, there's great things happening at these big conferences. And look, I'm a, I'm a speaker and an author. I like doing those things too. Like, We can celebrate that, but in doing so, we can't miss the faithful pastors Mm -hmm. that are on the ground leading small churches all around the world and contribute to their sense of fatigue or or lack of success or giving up. Like somehow, like you said, we have to bolster that. Yeah, like what matters the most now? What matters in a pastor? And it's so weird because we say one thing and we live out another. Mm -hmm. I know for me, the most... The best thing that I've been able to do is to just sit across a table or sit in a small group with other pastors of small churches and go, 
oh, you get it, you get it, and we encourage each other, and then you go and you're ready to go. Like, I don't think small pastors, if you're listening out there, need more big pastors to tell them what they should be doing. That's good. I don't. I, yeah. I don't. And quite frankly, some of you big church people, I think you need to function like a small church some more. Nice. I really do. Nice. I really do. And so I think we get it backwards in evangelicalism. Yeah. And that's why 35, 40, 50 percent mm. of pastors during COVID wanted to quit because we just yeah. have our priorities You're exactly wrong. Right, and it's Brian. just really weird. You're exactly right. And if we don't meet these quote unquote markers of success, it does feel like a whole conversation needs to be had about what success what in success? ministry means, what anointing in ministry means, what God's favor in ministry means. Like how have we twisted some of those things with the American dream of That's success right. versus God's dream of success, which let's be honest. I mean, this is what it's so easy for me to forget this too, but like the call is pick up your cross mm, and die, good. Good. you know, and the call. So I think sometimes we need to remember that the Lord the Lord is celebrating those small churches that are being faithful in every corner of the world. Mm-hmm. And so we can too. All right, Brian. So that that's Brian's new ministry. That's it. You gave me I don't another know. We're going to call it all ministry matters or small church matters or something like that. But You're we're going to be my agent. in this. I'm going to be Brian's agent and we're going to keep talking about this uh, every few weeks because I think it's really important. Well, Brian, coming up next, if Jesus was a college professor, what would his class evaluations be? That will be a fun conversation when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. Brian, I've just finished up my grad school experience. I don't know why you, you do finished that. a while ago from Grow. Why do I do that? I could not go back to school. Really? I really don't think I could. You I don't. You've been twice though. You did your undergrad and masters, right? I did, but I did it like back, you know, when I was younger. Yeah. Like I got, but you, this is this is a really good thing, and I've got other <laughs> friends who are like this. Yeah. And in fact, I think it's uh, it, it speaks more poorly of me than you. I think it. I've got friends in my life who just are perpetual learners. Right. Right. And obviously I want to grow and I want to learn, but yeah. by learner, I mean like I want to be in a program. Yeah. Like that, in a classroom setting. Yeah. I've got yeah. a bunch of pastor friends and other friends. So like they are constantly, and I know for your bank account, it's hard because you and your husband are both like oh, that. It's brutal. It's brutal. But uh, no, I'm ready to pass the formal education yeah. on to my kids no, that's rather wise. than embrace it myself. I think you're actually in the right here because I wish Kevin and I could just like let this go, let go. so that because I mean our kids may not ever go to college because we're spending all their college money. Exactly. Sorry, kids. Your mom and dad wanted to never quit school. Well, one of the things that you do when you're in college at the end of every class is you um, fill out an evaluation form and you're evaluating the professor. You're evaluating the class material. You're evaluating the content, etc. Usually those are anonymous. They're sent to the teacher. They get some learning from it, hopefully some positive critiques and some, you know, areas of growth type of critiques. And then they can change their class based on that in the future. Right. And a lot of that leads to uh, professors being able to get tenure, professors keeping their jobs, that kind of thing. So um, if in that vein, Brian, over at McSweeney's, there was a very, very funny article. Um, if Jesus Christ was a college professor, what his evaluations yeah. would be. And some of this is very insider baseball. Like if you don't know Jesus or the Bible, you might not get these. But I think for funny. our listeners, a lot of you are going to laugh hysterically at these. So how are we this close to St. Patrick's Day? reading from a website called McSweeney's and you didn't do it with an Irish accent. Oh, man. You do everything with an accent. Can I do it over? Yeah, where are we reading this okay, from? Okay, we're reading this from McSweeney's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that was better. I don't know if that was better either. There's some leprechauns and some <laughs> a pot of gold and lucky charms uh, at McSweeney's. Okay, thank you. I'm happy for about that. that. All right, thank you for that, Brian. Okay, selected negative teaching evaluations of Jesus Christ. Would you like to read the first one, Yeah, Brian? Yeah, very inconvenient class always holds lectures on top of mountains in middle of the sea of galilee but never close to the campus that's awesome that's so good all right here's the next one inconsistent attendance policy said we had to be in class by 9 a.m every day over half the class showed up late or didn't attend until the last meeting but we all got the same participation grade (laughs) these are funny (laughs) next one 
I don't know. He's nice enough, I guess, but he doesn't vet his TAs well. They all provide completely different, conflicting lecturing notes. Tip, try to get in Luke's section. (laughs) (laughs) So all the Gospels, right? They got different notes. That's funny. That's good. All right. By week one, I was already tired of his anti-rich, pro-Samaritan stance. I wanted to take a course in Christianity, not liberalism. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good one. That one hits a little close right there. Yeah. Uh, Next one, he wears sandals too much. No one wants to see your dusty feet. <laughs> when good. I spent the summer in Israel, by the way, we yeah. were in sandals all the time. I've never had more beat up, dusty, cracked, <gasps> oh, dry real? feet. Oh, it was, it was painful. Okay, this is actually, we'll come back to this list, but why do you wear sandals all the time? Why not throw on tennis shoes? Was it just so hot or? It's hot. Are you you're, trying to be in the culture? No, no, you're, you know, I mean, you're walking up and down mountains like that. I don't know. Plus you want to get, you don't want to get like sock tan. You're out in the sun the whole time. Okay. Is it like Tiva sandals? Like yes, hiking sandals? Okay. Sandals. Okay. Yes. So you're not yes. like old Navy flip flops. No, okay. I hate, I hate flip flops. Okay. That's a discussion for another day. Oh, I can't wait to have this discussion. Yes. Okay. All right. Here's another one. This is funny. Not what I expected. They say his area of specialty is carpentry, but we never <laughs> built anything. <laughs> I like that. Next one. Kind of absent minded. My name's Simon, and he called me Peter for the entire semester. This one is so good, because even when you're reading uh, in Luke about Simon Peter, it'll say Simon Peter, then it'll say Peter, then it'll say Simon. And Same then the rock. Yeah. <laughs> That's the rock. really good. That's so good. All right, here's a good one. I wanted to like this class, but on the first... <laughs> Let me start this over. It's cracking me up as I'm reading it. I wanted to like this class, but on the first day, he submerged us in a river instead of going over the <laughs> syllabus. And that was kind of a lot. <laughs> These are really funny. This person's funny. Yeah. Next one. Doesn't respect students' time. A line of us had been waiting outside his office for over an hour. Finally, he showed up and said... And the last shall be first and started seeing us in reverse order. Made me late for work study. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's really good. Uh, Here's another one. Tells too many stories. Easy to get them off track during lectures. (laughs) This next one's so good. Feels like a class for farmers. Hope you like talking about seeds. Wheat seeds, mustard seeds, 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 seeds. These are very entertaining. All right, here's another one. My face hurts. I'm laughing so hard. Don't take his class if you care about your GPA. Treats everything like pass-fail. Only cares if you're failing the class. So good luck getting that A- minus up to an A. (laughs) Uh, This is good. This is a good one. Plays favorites. Sorry, we can't all be John the Beloved. (laughs) (laughs) The the Beloved's in quotes, too. It's so funny. Uh, All right, here's another one. Bot out. Brought a bunch of snacks for the whole class once, then never did it again. Kind of a letdown. <laughs> I asked him to sign my accommodations form from the disability services office, and he spit on the ground and rubbed the dirt in my eyes. I can see now, but it was still rude. I can see now, but it was still rude. Uh, I hope people enjoy these as much are, as we do. Yeah, I'm these are really very entertaining. These. All right, there's a few more, so let's keep going. Won't give straight answers. I asked him if something was going to be on the test, and he said, you say that it will be, and stared at me with no expression. I mean, come on, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Next one. Definitely plays favorites. Calls on the same 12 guys over and over. I even heard he took them out to dinner. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's another one. Weird format for a discussion class. He put everyone on one side of the table, so we can't face each other when we talk. (laughs) (laughs) Instructor is a drama queen. He stopped in the middle of a lecture to announce, one of you will betray me. Right after I told him that I was switching advisors. <laughs> this oh, a, it's like, this, this is, is like 90% genius, 10% sacrilegious. Oh, serious, yeah, there's a slightly bit, slight sacrilege here. All right, here's another one. What is this class? Why do we keep going out on fishing boats? What was, the, what was with the thing where we had to sort out goats from sheep? Why did we have to shove a camel through the eye of a needle? What is this class? I reached out because I needed an extremely important last minute letter of recommendation for a summer internship. He didn't get back to me for three days. <laughs> Do your job. There's the sacrilegious part. Do your job. There's the sacrilegious yeah, yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Here's We'll read just a couple more. He straight up ghosted us. He took on the entire class as his advisees, got us all excited to work with him, and then immediately left for a 2,000-plus year sabbatical. 
Thanks for nothing. <laughs> all right, you have to read the last one, right? I don't know. The last one's the most sacrilegious this is of a all. Bad one. But we're we're what's the old sign? We're in for a dime, in for a dollar yeah. here, right? Yeah. Uh, classic complete joke. Only got the job because his dad's important. <laughs> <laughs> all oh, right. Sweeties. Well, oh, if Jesus a was a college professor. Those would be his negative teaching evaluations. Those we are hope really you funny. enjoyed those as much as we did. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow. St. Patty's Day. Oh. St. Patty's Day from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.